it looks like we piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The Hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever need them. This is not your typical mastermind. The Hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything, joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything, and I've been waiting for this episode for over 10 years. Uh, I've lived here in Carlsbad for almost 11 years, 10 and a half years, and I met this young man. Uh, he was 14 years old, but he was a superstar at the time. I remember we were down at the beach. All the families were there, and you don't remember this because it's just normal things for you, <laughs> but it freaked me out because all of us were going, and I, I had never really surfed in my life. I had surfed a little bit, and your family was out there. And they had one of those $5 little blow-up things that has a little pillow on it. It has the tubes down the way. And everyone's having fun, doing their thing. And this little guy, he's not a little guy anymore, but this little guy jumps out on that blow-up thing, paddles out like it's a surfboard, stands up on it, and surfs a couple of waves in, flipping it around like it was a 360. And I, I honestly, I had never wanted to abuse a child until <laughs> I experienced that because my kids were there, man, and my family, my wife was there, and she saw this, and she was like, this is possible. And she looked at me like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I ain't going to do nothing except try and drown that kid. And I have been blown away not only by your talent level, uh, your work ethic, but also your integrity. The, the family that you have, the, the family unit, the connection point that you have has been incredible. And the fact that you would step away from the thing that you are so gifted at for two full years because it's something that you believed in is even stronger. And it's uh, my honor to be able to have you on the show, man. And uh, so please welcome to the uh, show. He didn't want any titles out there, but he's a professional surfer. And uh, please welcome to the show, Mr. Jordy Collins. Thank you so much. It's, it's an honor to be here. I'm stoked to be here. It's funny, like, I was just reflecting back on my drive over here of like, okay, when did I first meet Kelly? What was that like? And I just remember being in like eighth grade around that time frame, right, where you guys moved to Carlsbad. And uh, at the time, you're like, hey, I got this salon. Come in, bring your buddies, come get some cuts. And before that, it was like I was going to like 
whatever whatever great clips down the street, like whatever was going on there, wherever I could find the coupons and everything like that. And I remember walking into the salon for the first time and before getting like massages and someone was like, hey, do you want, you know, a sparkling water? Do you want this? Do you want that? And I was just like, okay, this guy means business. Like he's not messing around in the haircut industry. Like this guy's legit. And I came here for a while and got my haircuts right right downstairs from where we are now. So wow. it's funny. It's a good story and good to reconnect. We haven't seen each other in a while. So. I know. You walked in and you're you're a man. Like <laughs> I, I, I was saying, I, I felt so bad because anyone out there that is watching right now, they saw the promo. They put the I put the promo out and it has your bio shot. Like I chose the bio shot, but then I was like, man, I shouldn't choose that bio shot because you are the man like and you walked in I, I know you as a 14 year old kid that I wanted to drown because you were making me look bad in front of my family and then you walk in and you're a man it's amazing and you also I asked you how old are you and you were like 24 and I said okay cool and then I just I took you for your word but then I realized man you don't tell the truth <laughs> so then I asked you later and you were like I'm almost 24 exactly. that's how you know that you're still young in the game, but it, I want to, I want to jump right into, you just got back a couple months ago, your passion, your love, the thing that you're, I mean, I believe that your purpose on this earth to do, right. And I, I've seen it like your parents moved into houses so you could do this thing and be out in the water. And you chose for two full years to be in a place where you, you couldn't do that at all. Talk to us about that experience. Yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, like I just got back from uh, serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so that's what I was doing for the last two years. And when you turn in your application to go serve one of these missions, uh, basically there's over 400 missions in the, in the entire world, and you can get sent to any one of them. And you have no say in the matter. You just turn in your application you say, okay, I'm ready and willing to go serve. Send me wherever. Do you have any, like, do you get to say, if possible, could you send me to this place? Well, do you have, like, a top three? Here's what they do. They say, okay, do you have any heritage? Okay. Do you have any family heritage? What's your lineage? Like, where do you come from? Where's your family from? Got it. And uh, do Did you, you say Hawaii? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> did I you did say not. Hawaii, New no, Zealand, Australia, no. South Africa? I think it was, like, Denmark. Like, you didn't? Like Danish and, like some some other Man, European you should have called your brother right here I would, we would have been like well I don't know maybe New exactly. Zealand you know what I mean so you do that and then they like say like one to five how would you feel about learning a foreign language and I was like okay like five like I want to learn a language that sounds sweet but still that's your only that's your only like say in the matter of where you're going and it's up to them it goes into uh kind of your picture and your bio and your application goes in front of uh we believe that and we have the quorum of the 12 apostles, Yeah. right? And so it, it goes in front of them. One of the apostles checks out your bio and then assigns you to any one of these 400 missions. And then like two or three weeks after you've turned in your application, you get a letter back and you, it pops up on your phone and it's like, okay, it's ready to be opened and you find out where you're going. Wow. And so I got that, I got that text that it was ready to be opened and I could find out where I was going. I was in Mexico. I was away from my family and I was in Mexico on this surf trip, and I was okay. just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I got it. Like, what am I going to do? So you got the text, and did it tell you where you were going? No. So it, you have to, like, click on it and open it. But you didn't do it. I didn't do it. I waited. You waited? Yeah. You got some discipline. <laughs> I had to. I had to. You got uncommon my discipline. Pa man. My parents would have disowned me if I didn't. So, so like, you were down in Mexico. Who are you mm -hmm. down there with? I'm down there with my buddy Cameron. 
Uh, he's, he's filming, he's been filming me my whole life, Cameron Verbeff. Yeah. And, uh, we're down there getting really good clips. And really good. Was like, really good. I mean, guys, time. for those of you listening, this is honestly the baddest surfer I've ever seen in my life. And he's <laughs> super, you. super humble, but this is the, I mean, the baddest, like I saw some of the stuff of you at the wedge and this was probably, I think you were 16 or 17 years old when you did it. How big were the waves at the wedge? When you, when you went down the one time, you know, the one time yeah. I'm talking about yeah. and it was like death. Yeah, that was like Hurricane Marie, this crazy freak swell that we got. And, I mean, it was upwards of 25-foot faces. And, and how deep is the water? It can get pretty shallow, pretty how, like how five feet. Like five four feet. feet four feet. And, and you're on a 25-foot wave. Yeah. It gets mean up Killing there. it. And he's that handsome. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad, man. Okay, so let's go back to you're in Mexico. Yep. You guys are down there filming. You're probably number one thing on your mind is not like, oh, my mission is coming. You're in the surf, right? Yeah, You're in I'm the surf. Surfing. You're getting it. You're I'm getting it. How big are the waves there? The waves there were really, they were really big. There was a good swell that came in and probably 15 foot and just barreling and in a really good spot down there. I don't want to name names and blow it out, but... <laughs> But it was. It is was that really in the surf good. community? You're not allowed to say those things because then people will go. Exactly. Okay. Like so people like me spot. on a on a, a Costco uh, foam top. <laughs> you know what I mean? I shouldn't go there. No. No. no I should. Would not be good. Could I come there and film you? Yes. Okay. We but, could hang out there. But I, you we could would get tacos. But you wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> how close would you get to the water with me before you acted like I wasn't your friend? Uh. It I'm saying how high the tide is. Okay. If we're so, I'm talking like where the water's coming up. I'll would get I you be about able, ankle deep? About ankle deep, and yeah. you still talk and to me. And then I'm gonna leave. And then you wouldn't talk to me yeah. anymore. Yeah. What if I? <laughs> what if? What if I tried to paddle out there with a uh, Costco wave sto- wave storm? Mm-hmm. I'm sponsored by Wavestorm. Of course. Okay. Shout so, out Team Wavestorm. Yeah, <laughs> Team Wavestorm. Thank you so much for all of your uh, sponsorship. Uh, but you wouldn't talk to me. Uh, I'd watch. I would sit back and watch, and I would pat you on the back. <laughs> no, you, would, you would call the ambulance. Yeah. You would call I'd the ambulance. i do my best. Okay. So you guys are down there, 15, 20-foot swells, mm-hmm. barreling. You guys are in. I mean, when you get the text, are you kind of like, oh, man, like I got to focus on this part because I just want to focus on the wave because I, I want real truth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, at that point... We won't let your parents listen to this. Okay, sounds okay, good. Okay, good. No, at that point, I was I was fully committed, right? I had already said that I was going to do this, and, yeah. and the decision to go on a mission, I'd been waffling on it for, uh, I mean, a few years. I was okay. already, like, 21 at this point, and you can go starting when you're 18. Oh, and so, so you, for, yeah, for you that, have like, waffle. I, I took some yeah, years some on it. pancakes, too. Yes, pancakes, waffles, waffles eggs. eggs. The, whole, <laughs> the whole breakfast was going on. So I was waiting to really know if I wanted to go, but I had made my decision... And then, and then I turned in my application, and I was just committed at that point. And uh, when I got that text, it was just like it all became real. Oh yeah. But I was like, I was like so scared. I was like, okay, put the phone away, just turn it off, put it away. I'm gonna go home tomorrow. I'll open it up tomorrow. And like it was like, go out and surf, soak up your final day here in in uh, Mexico where we were. And that's what I did. I just turned it off. I went home the next day, caught my flight. And as soon as I got home, I dropped my bags in the driveway and just went in, turned the phone back on. My family, my grandma, my grandpa, and uh, my brother and sister, um, mom and dad, they're all just sitting there at the table. And I'm like, okay, here I go. I'm opening this up. And like a lot of times, like 
people will wait and they'll call their friends over. They'll call like all their neighbors and it's this big spectacle. And I didn't want that. I just wanted to keep it low key, me, the Lord, my family. And uh, that's how it went. And I opened that thing up and it said I was going to be. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me do a drum roll yeah, because could. let's set the scene. You're in Mexico, mm-hmm. 15, 20 foot barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you leave me ankle deep because I got my wave storm. Um, I've got booties on down there too. Cause I don't <laughs> like to, you know, like hit the rocks sometimes, yeah. you know what I mean? It's warm water, but I like the booties. Yep. So I'm in the booties with just board shorts, got a little rash guard on, got my wave storm. You leave me ankle deep. You go out and you just murder it. You probably have some of the coolest foot. I wish we had, we'll put the footage up on mm-hmm. Instagram. You're in, you finally get this message from the Lord. You come home, you're about to open it. I want to set the scene. So what are you wearing at this time? You wearing like a collared shirt? You going relaxed? I had just got off the plane. I think I'm in a t-shirt. Just off the plane. Yeah. Okay. So he sits down. Drum roll. You open it up. What does it say? So remember, we got all well, the whole world. We can go anywhere in the world, right? And I get called to Missouri. <laughs> Independence, Missouri. The middle of the country. You cannot be farther from an ocean. <laughs> you cannot be in a more landlocked place <laughs> than the middle of Missouri. And so I open that up, and I'm just like, "All right, Lord, there we go." That's did, what no, we're did doing. everyone That's what did we're doing. did every? Because my my dad's a very positive guy. Yeah, and my dad can make uh, like a celebration of anything. <laughs> yeah. So if it was like dog doo doo on your shoe, he'd be like, "Son." Uh, that must be some good dog doo doo, and that was from the Lord. <laughs> yeah, and he would make some. Are your parents that way? Yeah, or totally. are your parents kind of like I, I feel you, son? Like they're totally that way. They, so what they say? How do you sell Missouri, Independence, Missouri, mm-hmm. from one of the top surfers in the world? In the world, you are, and you know that. Okay, <laughs> as a as a parent. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Collins, I want to I want to thank you for such an amazing son. But I want to hear what did they say to try and like hype you up? I think so. It's like pretty emotional moment for me. Uh, just they, like emotion. Was, like tell the truth. Or was it emotional? Like oh, like I was man. in tears. Like like, like tears. Oh, happy tears. Happy tears. Because I was finally serving a mission. Because you were because serving the Lord. Like, it didn't matter where I was. I, I had prayed before this was going okay. on. I had prayed to just when I opened that call to feel that it was right. Okay. And I felt that you felt that I felt that it was you didn't right. question God at all. I didn't, I like really not even didn't. one time, like not even like maybe once I got there and I like saw it and it was just Brown. Okay. I was just like in flat. I was like, cause I'm okay, saying God, I'm really? petty. I'm petty. That's fair. And I, 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 I question, I, I'll question. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> so, but right when that hit, you didn't question. You were just like, I'm in like Missouri. I'm yeah. in. Okay. And all my excited. Missouri people out there, we love you. We, we love do. you. We love you. KC. Root, root. <laughs> okay. So you start, so you start celebrating. You're excited about that. Mm-hmm. What did the grandparents say at this time too? Grandparents. I can't remember what the grandparents said. I know that they were really excited, but I just remember like all this chaos, like families crying. There's some tears. I'm going to be leaving two years. I'm going to go to Missouri and I'm just a mess. I'm so excited. But, uh, I just remember like it quieted down. And my mom just goes like, I'm so stoked. That was, those were her words. And like, I have a video of it too, of this whole experience. It's pretty good. 
But that's, those were my mom's words. That's how she sold the dog to do. She was just like, I'm so stoked. <laughs> and that's like, if you know my mom, y'all got to meet my mom because that's her mantra. She's just stoked. She's just a good lady. And so, uh, and that's just the theme I tried to carry throughout my whole mission was just, I'm so stoked to be here. I'm so grateful to be here serving the Lord. And, uh, and every day we were finding out why we were called there. Yeah. Every day it was a mission to find out, okay, who am I, who am I here for today? And so, uh, yeah, it was awesome. So let's go back to little Jordy because like, I've got a chance to be able to experience you up close as far as like seeing you in the salon, you know, at the beach after that time, that, that, that one time where you made me look bad. I uh, didn't want to go to the beach with you anymore. Um, but I would si- I would see you, and our families would go sometimes, and, and I would see you. But I got to observe you when you didn't know I was watching. I got to observe you while you knew I was watching. And, and what I saw was exactly what you're talking about now. I've experienced and just watched it. So what were some of the things that your parents were imparting or talking to you about or was it just that they were embodying that type of attitude because when you see your dad like your dad's a specimen like yeah. i don't like your dad either uh, mr collins i don't like you either especially when you run because i run it i i one time ran into your dad running and your dad it's looked, a humbling experience it's it sucks yeah not only is he a lot faster but he's in i mean like action figure shape and i mean he, I just didn't want to talk to him. He was like, hey, Kelly, how are you doing? You know, he's asking me about me, and he just didn't make it about him. But I was like, I don't want to talk to you right now at all because you got your shirt off, and I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want – so was it was it a lot of the talking with your parents, or was it you just seeing them the way that they live their life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both, I have to say. Um, it's funny because, like, there's all this, I think, within the church – uh, sometimes there can be a stigma of like, okay, you need to go, you need to do this, you need to serve a mission, you need to go to BYU, you need to have like fit this box, right? Yep. And my parents were just never about that. They were so ready to let me be an individual. They knew that I had an interesting path, that I had a great career ahead of me, that I had these talents that God has blessed me with. And they were always like, look, whatever you want to do, we're going to support it. We're going to be here for you. We're going to be your biggest cheerleaders, your biggest fans. You just let us know what your path is. You find it, we'll support it. We'll help you. We will be there for you. We'll be in your corner. And so that's like when when I came home, I remember when I had decided finally to serve this mission, I came home and I told my mom. She picked me up from LAX. I had just gotten back from Australia. And we're driving home and talking about life. And she's like, what's going on? What's up? I'm like, hey, I, I... I just got this call, like, I just said this prayer, and this is what I felt from the Lord, and this is what I, what I heard, and I think I'm supposed to go serve this mission. When I had been just pursuing, to the greatest of my ability, this surfing career, and my mom was just like, no hesitation, like, all right, that's awesome. I'm so stoked. Let's do it. What can we do? What's the next step? And so that's, like, where I feel like I got this, like, mentality of, hey, carve your own path. Always be good with the Lord. Always be right with him. But carve your own path. We don't have to fit in this box. We don't have to be this cookie-cutter person. We can do it a different way and still make it up there, right? So that's, I feel like that's how I felt like they supported me in that. So how about your relationship with your your brother and sister? Because this is another thing that inspires me. Like, I see you, and I see your whole family, and you guys hang out like you're all friends. Like, I mean, I guess the first question is, 
how difficult is it to have such cool parents? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like if your dad is Michael Jordan, that's mm -hmm. a tough thing because you're in the shadow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like your parents are superheroes. Like your mom, your mom is so cool. And when you said like, I'm stoked, like I could hear your mom saying that. <laughs> yeah. She always got a smile on her face. And it's not that, you know, you know, I'm faking it. Smile. It's that joy of life. How hard was it to have that cool of parents growing up? Well, it's never easy when you go to school and all the girls have a crush on your dad. <laughs> you know, that's never what you want to hear. What, what age was the first time you experienced this? And I'm more specific. Middle school? We could change the names if you want, but I don't want to change the names because you know what? We'll, well, we'll just do first school. names. Tell me the experience. Girl comes up. What is it? Middle school, I just remember, like, so my dad was the surf coach of the, the middle oh school surf team, right? And uh, I just remember, like, he would come to the school and do these, like, little little team meetings sort of a thing or, like, team pictures sometimes. And I just remember, like, one time, I can't remember who it was. You sure? I'm positive. I can't uh, remember who it was. Maybe. I would call her out if I remembered. Okay. That would be great. That would be amazing. We would call her out by first and last name. It would, oh, it would. <clears throat> and her parents. Yeah. Social security number. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. We drop it all. But uh, I just remember she came up to me and she's like, is that your, is that your dad? Oh, man. And I was like, I kind of knew. I kind of felt where this was going. I was like, yeah. And she just kind of like giggled. And I was like, why? She's like, nothing he's just really good looking oh, and then like yes. that was like and then that was like this like that's the beginning they went back to the swarm she went back to the swarm and then the girls just like ate it up and then that was a legacy now i gotta fill it i guess okay so you know where i'm going next though because i know once you hit high school i know your boys were like can we stay the <laughs> night at your house and then being like um, mrs collins can we get some pizza you know what i'm saying yeah, like will you course. hang out with us too of course when was the first time that happened? Well, because that happened, I know your mom's a beautiful woman. She is, Mr. She's Collins. Don't don't choke me out. But She's your wife is beautiful. She's amazing. But when does this? Because it sucks to have a hot mom. It does. It sucks. It really does. Because mom jokes, and moms, I don't think understand the mom jokes. Mm -mm. But you got mom jokes while you were in high school, didn't you? Of course, everyone does. Everyone does. But you got a lot of them. But it's hard when it's truth. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't make it easier. When's the first time that it, it happened, man? Let's call this dude out because this is high school, so this isn't that long ago. So let's call him out. You got Gavin? a Gavin? Gavin, you out there? Gavin? He used to show up to the salon. We used to come out here all the time. We banned him after we heard yeah. this. Yeah. But uh, I just remember there was always like... Did he ask to stay the night at your house when you weren't there? Well, there, no. <laughs> luckily. Joking. Luckily. You hear about things like that happening. That's a scary moment. Luckily, no. I'm joking on that. Thing. But my parents were always so, like, our house was, like, just revolving doors. It's like, the house, right? It's the house. Everyone's coming over. So probably there were a lot of times where I was not there and some of the boys were there. <laughs> that would, that's, I'm not putting that past them at all. That's definitely <laughs> happened. But, uh, you know, this is the normal stuff. Yo, mama jokes and this, that, and the other. But, hey, got to take it. So how and you can dish it too. How, yes. You how, dish it. <laughs> how Gavin, we're going to get you, man. Um, we're going to find you. Um, how important was it for your parents with your relationship with your brother and sister? Was mm -hmm. it something that they were uh, verbal about saying that you guys got to be close? Yeah, I think, I don't know. It was just like a lifestyle sort of a thing. Like, so I got two older brothers and a little sister Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was just family's everything. 
And that's they were really big about that from the very beginning. Uh, as long as I can remember, they were schlepping us to the beach of just like pulling us on our boogie boards up to the sand and uh, dropping us off there for the day with just like me and my siblings, even like my dad would go to work, my mom would go. Um, Sometimes she'd be with us, but like they would just drop us off and be like, okay, like help each other out. Don't drown. Don't let your sister drown or whatever. And uh, so that was the mentality. That's what we did growing up. We were just there to look out for each other and we, we enjoyed the same things. We enjoyed uh, going to the beach. We enjoyed hot tubbing. We enjoyed my mom and my sister. They do yoga. Um, they're both certified yoga instructors. My sister got a, her certification to be a yoga instructor. She was like 12, like the youngest yeah. yoga teacher in North what? America. And so these are, we had these common interests, and uh, we just pursued those things. And so it was always a really big focus on, on looking out for each other, on, on respecting each other and their dreams and their path. And uh, as like, because that really helps like to be members uh, of the church and, and like we believe that family is forever. Like we are going to be in this family unit forever. After, after we die, after we pass on, the same sociality that exists between us as brother, sister, you know, mom, dad, that's going to exist but beyond beyond this lifetime and with greater glory, right? And so you got to pursue that here. You got to look for it here. You can't burn those bridges as hard as it can be sometimes. Family's not always easy, but you got to look out for each other. When did you start to have, I mean, it's amazing to hear your wisdom. I was joking with the ladies earlier before we started recording. At 24, 23. 23. 20, yeah. how, many, how many weeks? Like, like two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Okay. 19th. Yeah, the nineteenth. So we'll celebrate you on that day. But you're twenty three until that time. Mm -hmm. See, I told you earlier that I stay forty. I'm forty seven, and I stay forty seven until May twenty third, two thousand twenty three, at one eleven p.m. So when you get older, you cross this little place. You haven't crossed it yet, but you won't round up anymore and make (laughs) us all feel old. So at twenty four, you got that 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 amazing wisdom and. The, the calm, like, and they could see it through, I mean, you, you guys could see it through this, just how calm, wise. <clears throat> when did you start, like, your relationship with the Lord? Because for me, I could tell you, my dad, we, didn't, we weren't really, really raised with much. We were raised with, like, a Catholic uh, background, and then uh, we had LDS on the other side. And, <clears throat> but we weren't, it was like Jack Mormon. It was like, you know, uh, Catholic, but don't practice. And I remember one time my dad came home after a convention. He was like, I found the Lord. And I was like, I didn't know he was lost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know Jesus got lost. So he was like, I found the Lord. And then we just went in. <clears throat> and at first I was like, man, you need to back. Oh, cause I'm eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. It's not the coolest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Take us through your journey. I mean, was it, I mean, were you this like stoic and, and prophetic at eight years old? <laughs> Or were you a little rat? You know what I mean? No way. There's no way. I was, I was just a dog. I don't know. I was just like one of the boys. It was like, yeah. It was. It was. I always believed it. I always believed in in God. I always believed that He was there and that He had a plan for me. But like, I didn't feel that I fit the mold of someone who's like this churchgoer, like Sunday service attendee and someone who was going to go serve a mission. That was like, so if you would have asked me when I was 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, like if I was going to go on 18, a 19, mission, 20, yeah, <laughs> if I was going to go on this mission and go serve, 
I would have said you were crazy. I would have said you were nuts. I would never do that because it just wasn't there for me at that time. Uh, this this relationship, this burning like fire that I have yeah. for it wasn't there. I believed in it, but it wasn't to that point yet. And it wasn't that I feel like the change for me was when I was traveling as a professional surfer. I saw the world. I was I was gone. Most of the year. Going from place to place, we'd start out in Hawaii, uh-huh. we'd go to Australia, we'd go to Japan, other parts of Asia, other islands. We'd, we'd go do this whole thing, we'd go to Europe for a few months, right? And so you're going how place to place. How old are you at this time? I started doing that when I was 16 or 17. At 16 years old, how yeah. long would the trip be and who would go with you? Would your mom go with you? It depends. So like when I was, because I started traveling when I was like 14, 15. Because I remember this. And when I, I was remember at that hearing. age, my mom would go with me okay. a lot of the time. Sometimes my mom, sometimes my dad, or sometimes I would get put with like another surf family that we trusted, that we knew, that we okay. had good relationships with, and uh, we'd travel together. But then once I turned like 16, 17, next thing you know, I don't really need my mom to go with me. I'm like just kicking it with some older guys. And How old? I mean... Anywhere from like, I think like 30 down to my age where I'm 16, 17. And you just travel with this pack to keep costs down, to share hotel rooms, to share Airbnbs. Okay. And that's just like normal. And then you're halfway across the world and they're doing what 30 year olds, 25 year olds, 20 year olds do. Singing hymns (laughs) and uh, praying before they go to bed. Very normal, right? Of course. No, they're in the surf community. Yeah. They're doing everything that, that professional action sports athletes do at that age. And so then I'm seeing this from a young age. I'm seeing these parts of the world where it's like, whoa, this is real. How did you not, how did you not like get wrapped up in it? Well, I can't say that I didn't get wrapped up in it okay. altogether, right. to be honest. Okay. Uh, right? I like you to be honest. Yeah. So, like, uh, I wasn't a, when a you say get, person. When you say you get wrapped up in it, talk to us about, because I think a lot of times people will give us the beginning, right? Yeah. Then they'll give us, I got wrapped up, but they won't give us, like, what was the first time where it was, like, where the line started to be blurred a little bit for you? And what age were you when that happened? I think probably when I was, like... 16-ish, around that age, was when a lot of my friends started, like, drinking and smoking and all this stuff. And and at first, it wasn't very desirable to me. I I knew my values. I knew what I stood for. But you're gone the whole year. The whole year. these things, like, almost, like, you come back for a couple weeks at a time, but you regroup, and then you're back for a few months somewhere else. And so it's like, this is your crew, and these are the things that are happening. And after a while, like it starts to wear you down, right? And you're stressed. Uh-huh. You're, you're going through, like... Because you're 16 years old competing against... Men. <clears throat> the guys. The best surfers in the world. And you're, you're beating them tails, too. Sometimes you're beating them, but sometimes you're losing, too. And then you're, you're getting done with these loss, and you feel this, like, oh, I didn't live up to who I'm supposed to be, and now you're getting depressed, and now you're getting... Because your self-worth is in that. Ooh, okay. Right? And so then when my self-worth is in that... And I'm losing. Well, now all of a sudden I've got a hole in my heart and I've got to find out how to figure it, how to fill this thing. So what was the first time? Like, tell us the blurred line. Like, was, mm-hmm. was it, was it someone just passed you a beer? Yeah. Little things okay. like that. Little things like. Was it beer. Natty Ice? It wasn't a Natty Ice. Was it Ice. Keystone? I'm not sure what it was at the time. Okay. I can't remember. 
Some but yeah, you're just at a party, you're at a bar, and everyone's drinking, and and oh, here's this, and you're just like, all of a sudden, you got this thing in your hand, and it's like, okay, how did that happen? Okay. And all of a sudden, you go from like, oh, just wanting to hold it to fit in, okay, to now you're drinking it to fit in, okay, and now you're partying to fit in, and like, I mean, I never did any any drugs or anything like that, but all of a sudden, I, I'm a different person than who I was before, and my values are a little bit. Did you start to notice? Did you start to notice it? When yeah. did you? How long in did you notice it? Uh, I would say like probably. I think there was probably like, there was a couple years of this. Okay. Of where, because in. Was there times where you drank before you uh, competed? Uh, not before, not before. It was always like the culture is like we are very serious athletes. Okay. Until we're not. And then we go. And then we freaking go and we party and we do coke and not me, but this is what the things that I was seeing. Okay. And we do all these things and then we're very serious athletes again until we're out of the contest. And it just was a stupid pattern that I saw over and over again with these guys who are claiming to be, they're making money. They got big time sponsors, big time people that they're representing and they're going on these trips and this is how they're acting. And so that was like really eye-opening to me of like, okay, who am I around? And what is this culture? And why am I feeling the way that I do about it? And it took, did it take two years for you to start to feel that? Because I mean, at 16, you're also experiencing things that normal 16 year olds don't get to. Like you're, you know, people are taking pictures with you. They're loving on you. You get to go anywhere you want. You know what I mean? They're loving that part. And it's like, oh, well, if I have to do this thing, to be inside of that, yeah. how long until it registered? Uh, yeah, because, I mean, at first it's all really exciting. You think you're at, like, a Project X. You're, like, filming the movie Project X, and you're like, wow, this is crazy. Like, this is what people live for, and this is this is life. Um, but then you wake up one day, like, two, three years down the line. I remember waking up in Australia. This was right before I decided to go on a mission. I remember waking up there, and... It was like my buddy's 30th birthday and I'm 19 at this point or 20 and uh, they had this big rager, this huge party and they're inviting over girls and they're drinking and at this point I'm like feeling it, like feeling the weight of everything that's going on around me but not really knowing how to express that and not really knowing how to like unpack this. And so I remember this this party was happening, and my buddies, they all had these girls over. They were partying really hard, starting off at the house. And then they're like, okay, we're going to go out. We're going to go to the casino and to some clubs, and we're going to go do this thing. And I remember just, like, being so down because I just had a couple losses. I wasn't doing very well this year, and uh, I wasn't sure where my values were at. And I was like, who am I? Like, what? where am I? What's happening? And uh, I just remember I stayed back. I didn't go out with them. And I stayed back, and I just had this time to reflect on what was going on and where I was. And I remember for the first time in a while, like, I said this prayer. And I was just like, God, like, I'm not who you need me to be. And I'm also not entirely sure how I got here. And I'm not entirely sure how I can get from here to where I need to be again. And... uh I just remember this was the best thing that I could have said. I could have said to God, I was just like, whatever you need me to do 
to get from here to where you need me to be, I'll do it. Wow. And that's the switch. That's where it all flipped. That's where I was like, again, in my heart, like in that moment, I felt that burning again of like, I'm still here. God's like, I still love you. Yeah, you've messed up. You've done some stuff you shouldn't, but there's a path back and it's Jesus. You're going to get there. And so then that's when I decided I had been fighting going on a mission for a few years at this point. I didn't think it was for me, but I was like, okay, how am I going to get back to where I need to be with God? And how can I help others to do the same? And when I saw this switch in my life where I was like, okay, this is me back home living the values that I've been taught, loving life, loving who I am, loving having this confidence, this like presence, and not knowing why I had that. But now all of a sudden I'm a few years down the line and I had compromised some of my values. I had put my self-worth in my results and my sponsors and this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden I'm like a sunken, broken man. It's like finally the dots connected. Like, oh, like it's, it's Jesus. Like that's the difference. Like that's, that's where I got so far off and that's how I can regain that. And all of a sudden I wasn't like, so hyper-focused on, on putting my self-worth in my career and in all these things going on. But it was like, okay, if I can get right with him, I'll be all good again. And that's where the desire to go on a mission came because I saw the difference between those two lives, mm-hmm. between a life with God and a life without. And that's where it like became like, oh, this is so real that I need to share it. And if I don't share it, I'm the loser. <sighs> So, Jordy, what do you say to those kids out there that are the phenoms? <coughs> Excuse me. Because you are. You are that phenom. Um, you're that kid that, uh, and I'm not saying that you don't work hard, but, I mean, you had you have immense talent, like crazy talent, and you have phenomenal work ethic. So the two of them, like, you can't even touch that. But most of the time, what you see is you see the child phenom, and you see them go off the rails and then just, I mean, the rails don't even exist anymore. Can you talk to that young kid that's that phenom that's in it right now? What would you say to them? I mean, it's kind of like a, it's a hard thing. It's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when you're that kid, right? But history repeats itself. And you can look at anyone who's been good at anything, who's been the greatest, the goats, right? They haven't been the ones that are sneaking off, living this double life, partying, you know, compromising on their values. They're good people most of the time. You have your Dennis Rodman and crazy, crazy things that happen. Andy Irons was like that. He, he had some problems. But they get what's coming to them. They have downfalls. They have moments where they, they're not flourishing. And the ones that have sustained careers, sustained success, they're true to who, they're true to these great principles, these great values. If you're someone who is putting everything in just this one aspect of your life, this career, this, fien- this chasing this fame, that fades at some point. At some point, your body's going to betray you. You're not going to be able to do these crazy air reverses. Your knees are going to give out, right? And then what? Then what do you have? You might have this legacy. You might have this great career behind you. 
but you're going to be sitting there and feeling a little bit lost after it's all said and done. You're not going to know where your worth is. And so if you don't fill these areas, uh, like having self, like self-confidence, self-worth, having a relationship, positive relationships with others, having a relationship with divine, whatever that looks like for you. It doesn't have to be God. It can be Buddha. It can be this, that, or the other. Whatever that is for you, if you don't have these foundations, these pillars, something's going to collapse. The roof is going to come down. And so I would just say, just focus on on every area of your life. You can't be too hyper-focused on one. What about the kid that's saying, I'll do it in six months or I'll do it in a year, right? Or in your case, I'll do it in three years or four years or whatever it is. Because you've been through it now and you've seen it and you've seen the other side. And most people burn out, um, don't have the legs anymore. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I now realize. You didn't do that. You were at the, I mean, really, and I'm not saying that you're still not in your prime, but I'm talking like prime time, top level, one of the best athletes in the world. And you're like. I got to go this way. What do you, what do you say to that kid that is saying, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, God, I'll do it later. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard because in a sense we have time, but also time is this fleeting thing. That's like (laughs) very valuable and always ticking. So like, I mean, because that's always something that my parents talk about, too, is like, look, like, yes, it helps to be ahead, but don't put so much pressure on yourself that you blow out. Don't put so much, like, don't be so crazy that you blow yourself out really young and you, I don't know, kind of do these things. So, yes, time is valuable and time is money and, and it talks, and but you, you're going to have time. It'll all come together. I would just say it's better to find it sooner rather than later. Hmm. Well, and talk to us to talk to me about the um, you said something earlier that you went from accomplishment into acceptance, like that your accomplishments now no more define you. I mean, obviously, you're a human being. So at some point we kind of struggle with it at times. Um. But talk to us about that part of getting to where you could accept like who you were built to be as opposed to you having to accomplish something to be able to have value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, it is. It's a super hard thing and still something that I struggle with. Um, it's hard. Like we're defined, like society defines us as, as what we have in the bank, as what we have on our on our bios, who we are and the things that we've accomplished. And so that's never going to go away completely we're always going to be driven by some of that. And that's okay. The thing is, it can't be your main source of fulfillment. It can be right up there. It can be, it can can really push you. And that's great. Yeah. The most driven people, I mean, they're driven by some of those things, but it just can't be your main source because one day you're going to flop. One day you're going to have a bad business deal. One day you're going to have this, that, and the other, and it's going to go sideways, then what? Then what do you look to? Well, for me, it's like, okay, when I fail, 
I still have my relationship with God. I still have my relationships with others. These really positive, super amazing relationships that, that are going on in my life. I still have that. So I can still be grounded mm-hmm. in the midst of this terminal, these like trials, all these things going on. I can still be grounded in that. And that gives me more, more motivation to get back on the horse and do it again. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So talk to the parents out there because I think a lot of times the parents are, or as parents, I'm a parent too, we're always looking for methods or things that we can say to our kids so they'll stay off the wrong track. And it's like every person that I see that comes around and, you know, the, there's not many of you in the world. I mean, you're one in a billion. Um, but as parents, we're, uh, again, we're constantly looking for some system or some whatever. Mm-hmm. Talk to the parents out there of what they can do to develop a son like Jordy? Well, I think we can look to the greatest father of all, right? God. Mm -hmm. If we look at God, he has his first children. He's got Adam and Eve, puts them in the Garden of Eden. He says, these are the rules. Says, you know, multiply and replenish the earth. Don't partake of the fruit of that tree, right? Those are my rules. These are, what, these are our standards, you could say, in the Garden of Eden. But what's the next thing he says? But you are free to choose. You're free to choose whatever it is. And so that, I feel like, was what my parents did. They said, hey, hey guys, these are our standards. These are what we believe. These are our rules. There are going to be consequences, right? God never said, God said. There are going to be consequences for when you do break these things. But he gives them the choice always. God is a respecter of our free agency, our free will. That's one of the biggest blessings he's given us in our life. And that's one of the biggest blessings that you can give to your children that I would like to give to my children. I know it's going to be super hard once I do have children. It's like, I can't give parenting advice, really. <laughs> I'm not a parent. Well, I mean, not parenting, but, but, but speaking to the parents, because I think a lot of times as parents, yeah. we don't hear from your side. Yeah. We What we do as parents is we go to other parents who are struggling. This would be the same thing as I'm struggling with heroin. I want to go to someone who's really struggling with heroin, yeah. and the two of us together will conquer heroin. That's yeah. probably not going to happen. I've often asked, and I have these conversations with my kids, I'm like, if I wasn't your dad and you were telling me what you wish your dad would hear, what do you wish some parents would hear? Yeah, I think it's just that. I think, like, you are never going to be able to control them perfectly, right? So, like, I think a lot of times that's what it is in in some relationships when there's not this like ability to control every move, it gets pretty scary. You got to go drop your kid off at school for eight hours, seven hours a day and just expect them to be okay. That's terrifying. Isn't that so scary that I feel like that's going to be so scary for me. It's a crazy climate we live in. It's a crazy. And your world. parents dropped you off for a year traveling <laughs> around the world with some random. Yeah. I mean, you, they didn't even know these these yeah. guys. They're just professional athletes. Exactly. I don't know that I'm dropping my son off with some professional athletes. <laughs> exactly. To be able to go for a year. Yeah. Shout out to Mr. and Mrs. Collins. On They're that. studs, both of them. They are awesome. But that's what they did. They they taught correct principles, and then let me govern my life and govern myself. Don't get me wrong, there were consequences. Don't get me wrong, I got <laughs> in very big trouble for a lot of the things that I did. But What's the worst trouble you got into when you were out there oh. traipsing around the world? 
I don't know about that. I don't know the worst trouble I got into in that sense. Were I you talking when I was with home. your parents through it? Yeah. Were you like, we were hey, I got it. Like, I got after it this last couple. Or were you kind of hiding it? No, it was like, it was definitely something that didn't come out until I was ready for it to like come out okay. and be like, oh, like I haven't been the best person. Like okay. I haven't been the you best You did it kind of nice. You wrapped it up. Yeah. It was, kind it was of nice. like, but I'm changing now. Like oh, I'm okay. on this path. Uh, you didn't send pictures I remember of one you. time, like I remember one time I was in high school and uh, <laughs> I was, I snuck out of the house and this was something that... Uh, Did you live over here? This was right here. Yeah. Like literally like this next street over okay. is where we lived. Yes. Uh, I love that. I drive by the house all day. Every yeah. day. I go to the beach every day. And so I... Uh, With a wave storm. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't go in the water. <laughs> I don't. Just check it, it out. Because of you. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. You, you got to look out. But uh, I had snuck out of the house and I was with this girl. Bad. It's Bad always, news, right? It's never a good, fault. Never a good, never a good thing. Okay. But uh, did I you remember, get caught? Did your dad? Yo, I remember my phone ringing, and it was my mom. Oh, it's like super late or early, however you look at that. But <laughs> my phone rings, and it's my mom, and I'm just like, oh my gosh! Like, are you I'm at the party dead. at this time? Or are you out hanging? You guys? No, are just, we were just hanging, just us hanging. two. Okay, just us two. Oh. We were just hanging. Okay, so you guys are singing church hymns, just hymns, you know and what I mean? That praying for the country, praying to the good Lord. Yeah. Yes. But uh, you my guys phone were doing rings missionary and it's my work, mom, and. She's like, hey, you're gone. Like, you need to get home now. You answered? I think I missed the first one. I ignored the first one and I, started driving home, and then I called her. I probably wouldn't answer. Is this, Jordy, how I figured old are you I was going to have to talk to her. 16 years old? Somewhere around there. Dude, you, got, you just need to live it up, man. <laughs> Kids out there, well, don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> but you need to live it up till you get home. Just take the beating when you get home. But you call, so when, she, when you call her, she answers. What does she say? She mad? She just is she stoked? I think she no. She I don't think she was so stoked she at wasn't? that point. I think I got a litany of whatever good words that she could s- drum wrap up, around, wrap yeah. around. Yeah. Uh, she gave me the run around there, and then uh, I got home, and it was like, it was I got a good little a good little talking to. Kay. She had me pee in a cup. That was pretty fun. I had never done that before. She was like, "Are you on drugs? Like, what are you out doing?" And all this stuff. I'm like, "No, like I just was with a girl," but but like peed in a cup, that whole thing. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, and then the trust was broken for a while and okay. I had to regain that what trust. What does Pop and say? You know, he's always like the Pops quiet. Pops will choke you out. He's always like, no, like he he's the quiet guy. I'm just saying he could. He he could kill me. Yeah, yeah. He, he could absolutely yeah. murder me. And that was very well known. Okay. I was very aware of that. Yeah, yeah. But it was my mom that did the disciplining. The discipline. Okay. And... Pops was there to back her up if I didn't do whatever it was that she Said. needed me to okay. do. And so then, and then it was like, and then Pops would come in a couple of days later and be like, all right, like, let's get to the bottom of this. Like, what was really going on? And you shouldn't be doing that. And he would be this, like, kind of, like, quiet corrector. Um, but, yeah, it worked out. It worked out. Craziest surf story you didn't tell your parents? craziest surf story that I didn't tell my parents are we talking like party surf like we're out going, there we're going to go water. into all of them we're going into all just of everything. them but just but just give me one like give me one that like give me the first pinch me moment for you as a young kid i mean you know you're you're a phenom and then you start surfing with people who maybe you've been reading in magazines or seeing in magazines 
I think I just remember like the first time where I felt like, oh, this is like going to be a career for me was I was probably 15 and or 14 and I was doing the junior pro qualifying series. Like there's like the pro, there's like the elite level pro world tour. That's like Kelly Slater, Kelly Slater, John, John Florence, those guys. And then you have like your minor leagues of surfing, which is the qualifying series. Got it. And then below that you have like this junior pro. Okay. This level. And so I was there, it was like, I was like 14, 15 and, uh, it was like one of my first really big trips and we went to Barbados in the Caribbean. Who's there with you? Your mama? No, I, that one I went with, uh, some random guy at the bus stop. Your parents dropped you off with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. And Mrs. No, Collins. I went with, uh, I you Avalon and Sydney Johnson and Mo Johnson. Shout out the Johnsons. Okay. These, this wonderful family, uh, one of our really good friends that also lived right up the street from here. Okay. Uh, so they're a little bit, did they, so Did they volunteer? Did they volunteer? Yeah, to? I think they had like volunteered. I don't really know how. I would volunteer to go with you yeah, to, Barbados to Barbados too. I'd be like, hey, I'm serving the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, need to, I need to go on this surf trip with Jordy. I'll be yeah. back home soon, honey. So I just remember like showing up there and it was just like this tropical island and this big contest. And uh, I was just like, whoa, this is like this is the scene. This is like what I am after. Mm-hmm. Like this is like, if you would have asked me what I was doing or what I wanted to be doing when I was in elementary school, like this is, I'm doing it right wow. now. And I'm in this contest and uh, competing in this beautiful place with all, like a lot of really good people, like a lot of good friends. Uh, we're also doing that. And, and then, and then of course there's after parties and everything else. And I'm just like, Whoa, like this is a whole scene. Like this is a whole, this it's is like a, a culture culture. Yeah. yeah. It was something new. And, uh, so I would say that was the first time where I ever like saw the pipe dream, like coming to yeah. fruition a little bit, like being like, Oh, well, like this is going to happen or it can happen if I pursue it. And if I make it my thing. So speaking of the parties, um, tell us something that, uh, your parents don't know <sighs> That's a that hard they're one. hearing for the first time like right know, now. I feel like they know pretty there's much something, everything. there's something Jordy that they don't know. Oh, I don't know. I feel like it was never more like what I was doing myself. I feel like it was just like the actual scene, like the scene, the scene that I was around was. What actually did you gnarly. see? Okay, so like I mean, like another we are saying for instance, names. Another trip, for instance, like you see like some of your like childhood heroes, and all of a sudden they're like doing lines of coke in the bathroom, and all of a sudden they're like just on these benders. And because maybe these events that they're doing that I'm in aren't as big for them. And so they don't have to be like as on their game, but you're seeing these guys and it's like, whoa, this is, this is intense. This is real. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, like, let's go to the strip club. Let's do this. Let's go to the casino. And you're just like having to make all these decisions. Like boom, 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 boom. Like, okay. All of a sudden you're making big boy decisions. Yeah. And oftentimes it's pretty hard to make those decisions when you're 16, 17 years old and make them good decisions. Yeah. Right. Like you're, you you want to go along with your childhood <laughs> hero. Yes. To the strip club or to like wherever else they're going. There's you ministry go, there. Go check that out. There's, there's gotta be, there's you gotta, gotta save some souls. Yes, exactly. But, uh, in the name of the Lord. Exactly. So I would say those are like some of the craziest things was just, just big drugs going on. So talk to me too, and talk to our audience about this because it always fascinates me. Right. So when you get into that professional athlete realm, 
I, I've spoken about it before. My um, Brooklyn's uncle is a coach in the um, in AAA baseball, mm -hmm. and I asked him, "How is it to coach um, professional athletes?" And he said, "I actually don't do a lot. I ask him questions." He said, "Because the difference between a home run and a foul ball is about a centimeter, if that. Sometimes a millimeter. What's the difference between, like, I mean, because you're one of the elite athletes in the whole entire world." And then there's, I mean, once you get into that realm, what is the difference between, you know, a, a kid who is in the kind of minor leagues or in the junior leagues to the Kelly Slaters of the world or the Marab Machados of the world? What, what is the, what's the difference at that point? Because it, it can't be physical, is it? No. So you get to a point where on, your qual on the qualifying series, which is like the minor leagues of surfing, it's a pretty even playing field. And there's a thousand guys that do some of these, like almost a thousand. Like, I mean, realistically, there's like 200 that are good, that are like really elite. Okay. And then the rest like just sign up for some random contest like throughout the year. But there's like 200 that chase it and want to make it their career. And uh, out of all those guys, it's pretty even. They're all really, really good. And so then you stock, talk about, okay, at the next level, there's the top 32. <coughs> excuse me, there's the top 32 guys, and uh, again, like, really, really good, all of them. And so the ones that really stick out, the John Johns, the Kellys, the Andy Irons, the, you know, all of these guys that had these, these really just dominant performances, you're talking about guys that mentally are tougher than anything you've ever seen in your entire life. Give us some examples with this. So, like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about from my career. So, I'm in the biggest contest of probably one of the bigger contests of my life. I'm in the ISA World Games. Uh -huh. um, How old are you at this time? I'm 17. 17. 17 and, or 18. And we're competing against, this was the men's and the women's division. So, it wasn't like a junior ISA event. It was like the, we're there. And I'm the team captain of this 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 uh, team that we took, and they're all younger than me. They're all under 18. So, like, kids, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, literal minors. And we took this team, and we were supposed to go surf against, like, the best men and women in the world. And uh, they had all gotten out really early in the event, a lot of my teammates, and we were just not doing good. And we were kind of performing how everyone expected this young American team to perform. We were the underdogs, like, on paper, like, Team USA should never be an underdog. You should never say that, right? Like, we're always the best of the best. But, like, the people that we took with us, myself included, we were not. We were the underdogs. We were the young kids. Um, but, like, I, re I just remember everyone had kind of gotten out, and I'm in this quarterfinal heat. And this quarterfinal heat, like, at the time, our team was in 17th place. And kind of the barrier is, like, top 10. Like, if you get top 10 in the ISA World Games, you're doing pretty good. And Team USA does not get 17th place. That is just something that we don't do. We just can't do that because we're Team USA and there's a stigma and a lot of pressure on it, right? And I'm the only one left in the event. And if I make this heat, <coughs> if I make this heat, uh, we, we, I think we get into the top 10. If I don't make it, we don't. And uh, we just kind of get sent home packing and, and all that stuff. And so I just remember, like, in this heat, I was down, like, 
I was probably in fourth place. I think it was in fourth place. I needed like a high eight point ride, which is almost perfection, right? We're talking about an excellent score, eight out of 10. Uh, and so the odds of like getting this are, are pretty unlikely on one wave. It's pretty difficult, but I needed this one wave and we're down to like the final five minutes. And I just remember looking up at the clock and looking at the score that I needed, like you have beach announcers that tell you exactly what you need, exactly what you need to do. And I just remember being like, oh, I'm going to get this. And it was like not even a question. It was not even a hesitation. It had nothing to do with the waves that were coming. It was just like, there's a wave that's going to come and I'm going to make this. I'm going to get this. And that's the switch that you have to make in order to be successful in surfing, probably in life, right? We have to have confidence in ourselves. We have to trust that if the opportunity arises, we're going to take it and we're going to exceed. We're going to excel. And so that's what happened. I got a wave. Less than five minutes ago, I go for this big air and I fall. I'm just like, all right, that's not good. I get another wave. Now we're down to like three minutes. Same thing, I fall. All right, that's really not good. Now we're down to like one minute. But same thing, paddling back out. I'm just focusing on my paddles, just keeping it slow and focusing on what I can focus on, what I can control. And uh, same thing, I'm like, it'll come and we're going to do this. And I felt like God was telling me that too. Like it was me and him right there, right? Like At the time, you didn't think it was God. I did. I think did you? At that time, At 17, you were, st- you were still heathen, heathen Jordy. I was still though. heathen. You were still, still heathen, heathen Jordy. But I was like, but okay, we're going to do this Mostly, it's like 75% you, 25% God at that time? Probably. Okay, cool. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and so sure enough, this wave comes, and uh, there's just one section on it. I pump down the line. I go really fast, and I do this, this air reverse, this almost like full rotation, almost like upside down sort of thing, and, and I land it. And I was just like, all right, that was it. And like, as I land, the buzzer goes, and uh, sure enough, it was like an 833 and I got the score that I needed, and we moved on, and I advanced to the semifinals of the World Games. And, and so that's the switch that, that a lot of these guys have that are just hyper-dominant, is they just believe in themselves. They have positive mental cues that they go through, and that's the space that I want to get into in my life because that's the switch that I saw in my career as well. Is like I went from a very decent amateur to like having this serious pro career where I made a pretty big impact, right? And the switch for me was I started working with this guy, Kurt Henderson. Mm -hmm. He works under, or he worked under Craig Manning, who is the author of The Fearless Mind, who does sports psychology, and it's this whole mental aptitude. You just train your brain to be a beast. And that's where I saw the switch in my career. And I think that's where so many of these dominant guys see the switch in their career is they learn how to rewire their thoughts. They learn how to be successful in their brain before they ever get in the water. They're visualizing these heats and surfing these perfect heats. And so we got to retrain our brains if we want to do something good. Have you heard of this story? So there's this, this is kind of like a, it's, it's pretty common or at least like in sports psychology or whatever, but Back in the day, there's this prisoner of war, and he's this pro golfer. Have you heard this? No. He's this pro golfer. I, I wish I had his name. I wish I could shout him out. He's just a beast. But he's this prisoner of war, or, or he's this pro golfer. He gets drafted 
goes to the war, becomes this prisoner of war. He's in this, like, little bamboo, like, prisoner of war camp, like, box. Like, three foot by three foot standing for, like, hundreds and hundreds of days, this pro golfer. On unhappy circumstance, right? Terrible circumstance. But every single day, he did one thing. This was his, like, saving grace every day. He played a round of golf, 18 holes in his head every day. In his head, right? He's just walking himself through his favorite courses. He's playing this game, just killing it. Best of his ability, right? He comes home, gets released, luckily, right? Gets released, comes home from the war. Uh, First game of golf, how do you think he does? He shot his best game of golf ever. After not playing for years, and after being stuck in a box for hundreds and hundreds of days, he comes home and shoots his best game of golf ever. And that's the power of the mind. We can practice perfectly in our minds if we visualize. And so that's the switch that these guys are making. And that's like where I get like so excited. I get stoked about this. This is what I'm studying business right now in school. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm thinking about going to grad school and doing sports psychology because this, I mean, this is the difference. It's that minute thing that we can change. If we can rewire our brain, we can see success. We can make champions. So what is the thing that um, a person out there that's listening, they're like, I mean, they're on the edge of their seat right now thinking like, well, I want that. Maybe I'm struggling financially or maybe I'm struggling in my marriage or maybe I'm, you know, struggling, uh, you know, personally. And you're saying it's the power of the mind. Where would a person start in this? And where did you start when you started working with that, uh, that mental coach? Yeah, I think, so where I started, uh, it was pretty simple. I started by taking like an inventory of, of where I was at uh, in my life. Do you have to be elite? Because for yours, you're an elite. I, when you were like, I was, you know, decent. You're not decent. I mean, you're honestly, I, I don't know the surfing world. Um, I do a little bit from my Wavestorm days. Of course. Um, but I could see that you were, you know, massively elite and on, you know, on a trajectory. Does it take a, 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 a phenom like that to be able to utilize the mental? No, not at all. And so a lot of these programs actually are super universal. And like when I was working with the fearless mind, like Craig Manning, he does this. He works with athletes. He works uh, for Red Bull. He's contracted out by them. He, he trains all of their athletes. Uh, but also this, this methodology um, can also be seen and used in business. Super huge, massive. They train these companies. They go in there. They do these seminars. Here's how you rewire your brain. Here's how you work more effectively. And boom, they see like so much growth. It works a ton, a ton, way better in addiction recovery. It's massive in addiction recovery. If you take just a person doing a 12-step program versus a person just doing this methodology of rewiring thoughts, being positive, there's so much success. If you do them both, it's, yeah. it's probably much better, but there's so much success in that person that, that focuses on their thoughts, that focuses on being positive, being, being. What was the first thing when he, when he gets you, you so, so you take the inventory. Down. Yeah. So he sits me down and he's like, look, like here's what we're working with. Here's where your career is at. Here's what you can control. And here's what you can't control. You cannot control the judges. You cannot control the waves. You cannot control the tide. You cannot control yada, yada X, Y, Z, right? 
in surfing, there are so many variables. That's what I was about to say. Because it's so not like when variables. you're playing professional baseball, you're waiting for a pitch that's thrown by a human being. Mm -hmm. You're waiting for a pitch that you don't know if it's going to come. Mm -hmm. And your field changes every single second. Every single second. And you're supposed to be out there and just be calm about all this. It's hard. It's super hard. What happens when you get out there? Uh, say your game plan is to wait for a wave and the wave just doesn't come. Then what? Now you're 19 minutes into a heat. You haven't got a wave and you still need to make it somehow. Well, you got to start getting pretty tough mentally. You got to start thinking pretty positively. And so there's this idea like it's like, you know, you just got to X out these mental blocks that you go through. And it's easier said than done to say like, oh, like when this happens, you can turn a negative thing in your life into a positive mental trigger. So like, help me, help me with that. So if I'm in a heat and say, okay, something that I can't control is the waves. That oftentimes could be a triggering thing for me. I could get into a heat and there would be no waves. And next thing you know, I'm going, just cussing out like the waves are just this that or the other and all of a sudden it's a trigger and all of a sudden my mental game i'm out of it okay all of a sudden i'm already losing the heat and i'm blaming it all on this circumstance that i'm in whereas if i think about that differently if i just switch i can say okay if no waves come i'm gonna sit there I'm going to focus on just splashing the water a little bit, just moving things around. And I'm going to keep telling myself that when it comes, I'm going to light it up. When it comes, I'm going to light it up. Instead of sitting there saying, oh, I'm a victim. This is, this is what's happening to me. This is something that I can't control, but I'm a victim. Now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm an agent. I'm saying, when it comes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill it. I'm going to destroy this next wave, right? So it's just that little switch of thinking, and we can do that in every aspect of our lives. When this person walks in the room, instead of being intimidated, instead of, you know, whatever in life, instead of being an object where all of a sudden this person's going to act upon you, you're going to take control of that situation by doing whatever it is that your positive mental cue can be. Hmm. I'm going to kill this conversation. I'm going to ace this interview. I'm going to kill it on the Kelly Cardenas show today. And it's just that's how we got to think. And when we think that way, we're, we often find that it's, it's a lot more successful to be positive. You got to love yourself. You got to talk positively to yourself. You got to treat yourself like you're your best friend who's coming to you, wanting some advice about life. Right? We're always so good in that moment. Yeah. We're always on fire in that moment. <laughs> When your best friend comes to you, they're like, hey, I'm really down on my luck. These are the things. These are the circumstances. We're fire. We're so motivational. We're so positive. We're so loving. We give the best advice. But then when it's ourselves and we're in that situation, <laughs> we beat the crap out of ourselves, right? Yeah. We beat ourselves up so bad. And so that's the switch that we got to make to be successful is just talk positive. Eat it up. Take opportunities when you can. And when you can't control them and you have losses, move on. 
Focus on what you did well. Get the next one. That's the shift that I saw in my career. So what has been the biggest struggle for you now at 24, right? Because, you know, you're, you're in it and you're, you're positive about the process. And, you know, I, I believe that, you know, you're, you're getting back in the game too. Am I correct? I think so. Yes. You're, you're going to kill the game. Yeah. You're going to kill the game. I mean, I can see it in your eyes when you start talking about it. It's like this, like you talked about the switch. Like I'm here in the studio with him guys and I could see it. Like I'm scared of it. Like when you <laughs> said it, you were like, when that wave is coming, I'll be ready and I'm gonna kill that way. I was like, dude, everything's cool, Jordy. Everything's yeah. good, man. Um, so, uh, you know, you coming back into the game, how do you know when to switch that off and switch it on? Because sometimes people switch that on and then they, you've seen it, they go hard and they go hard in every aspect of life in some areas that they shouldn't be going hard at. I mean, at, at the end of the day, your body, your mind, all these things are going to need a break, right? You can't be, you can't run a Ferrari at X amount of miles per hour forever. It's going to, no matter how good the car is, it's going to break down or it's going to need oil. It's going to need this, that, or the other. And so then also you have to be really good about taking the self-evaluations, checking yourself mentally, and having your recovery and knowing what your recovery looks like. For me, a recovery surf might be different than a, a training surf, right? Like, it's so much different for me to go take out this, like, super fun, like, like the other day I just did it. The other day I took out this, this album surfboard. It's a six foot four, like, mid-length, twin fin, way thicker, paddles like a machine, and this board is so dang fun. That is so much more different than me going out on my 510 where I'm looking to kill every single section, where I'm looking to kill every single wave, and where I'm just like, I'm the best, I'm the man, and I'm learning to win right now. Those two things, it's the same activity, right? We're, we're just surfing, right? But it's that mental switch of being like, okay, right now I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to recover. I'm going to give myself a break so that I still love this thing, so that I still love this sport. And so, like, it, it has to be like that, too, in, in all areas of life, is, okay, I, I can only go 100%. I can only go full sprint for this amount of time, and at the end of the day, I'm going to need some sort of break. And you got to know yourself enough to know what those breaks look like for you. Can you talk to the young athletes out there that I see so many of them that go after their sport they love it they have the fire that fire that's in your eyes right now when you talk about it it's amazing and they have it and then they get to a point where they're like I don't even like the sport anymore mm -hmm. can you talk to that person because I still see the love in your heart like and I know I mean you you surf not only in competition but you surf because you you love it yeah. but a lot of times people lose the love how can we fight against that from a uh, from a young athlete's uh, standpoint? Yeah, that's that's a hard one. That's me. That was me. Like I went through that in my career, where it was like, okay, I'm going so hard at this thing that it's become something entirely different. I started out surfing because I just freaking loved it. I started out surfing because my dad did it, and he was the coolest guy around, and I wanted to be like him. And then all of a sudden, I was like surfing because I wanted a championship or I wanted 
fame or I wanted money. And it was just like, all of a sudden it becomes a job. It becomes a job. And that's hard. And that's heartbreaking. And uh, so I would say to avoid that, it's just being aware of how you're feeling about it, how you're talking about it, how you're like thinking about it. Um, how can they pace themselves? Because in today's side, you know, if your child, especially in this area, if your child has any inkling of anything, you get him 17 experts that were pros and then they practice for 17 hours a day. They can't even see straight and they're four at this time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the first time you kick a soccer ball in this area where we live, you know, uh, like you're then traveling with the U.S. soccer team and you're, you're eating, breathing it. Yeah, and that's where the parent has to be really good about communicating with the, with the athlete. So, like, when I was 14, uh, my dad came to me, and he's like, look. <laughs> and my dad's an intense guy. He's intense. He's passionate. When he wants something, he gets after it. And that's how it was with my career, even. Like, so I'm, I'm this, this young uh, surfer, and I'm doing really well, kind of up and down the coast of California, competing in, like, the NSSA uh, events. And when I lost, it was like my dad told me, let me know everything that I did wrong, everything that I needed to work on, and I would hear about it. And it was just like this overwhelming thing for me of like, it was like triggering of like, oh my gosh, like I need to do good so like I don't get yelled at by dad or like, not that he was, I mean, everybody's imperfect, but, but I remember when he was 14, he came to me and he's like, look. I can see that this is ruining our relationship. Big move by dad. So much respect for him in that moment. I can see that this, your career, is ruining our relationship because I want it. I'm going to take my foot off the gas. I'm going to support you how you want to be supported. I don't care if you win or lose. Do you think I got better or worse? (laughs) You got so much better. I got so much better. Because there wasn't that pressure to be like, I got to earn dad's love by winning. Because even if you're not putting it, even if my dad, my dad, I don't think he was putting out that vibe, but as like a nine-year-old, yeah, that's how you like start to interpret it. Yeah. You get way off track. You're just learning these things. And so that's where the parents can really step in and be such a help to these kids. Because there's a lot of pressure on them. Probably put on like a lot by themselves. But think of, like, everything they're hearing from their coaches, everything they're hearing from you. If they have sponsors, everything they're hearing from their sponsors, all of a sudden, like, every thought is going to be about that. And so if you can be the one to say, look, just take it easy every once in a while and it's going to be okay. Or if you can be the one after a loss to, to not put the pressure back on, but to be like, look, let's focus on what you did good. That's where the parent can be an asset. And just help this kid excel. And for the kid, well, they have to be really, I mean, mature about communicating their feelings as well. They have to be honest about, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like this is a little bit of a chore. And if it is, you know, go grab a fun board. Go grab a twin fin. Go surf with your buddies. Okay? Not everything has to be so on all the time. There's, there's space for all things. There's time to be on fire and there's time to be chill a little bit. So that's what I would say. So Jordy, can you, do you believe that it, you can teach it? And when I talk about it, that switch 
and I've seen the switch a couple of times in the studio. Like I've already seen it. Um, and I knew you had it because you you don't accomplish what you accomplish um, and do the things that you do at the level that you do it and effortlessly. Like what the last, and I can't imagine seeing you surf right now because I haven't seen you surf in years, but in my head, like I remember Mr. Fred being like, yo, he just did the, uh, you know, just did the wedge. And this was a while ago and him showing me the video and being, me being like, yeah, that's my boy. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, but do you think you could teach it or do you think it's born in? I think it can be learned behavior. I think it's you been, think that killer instinct can be learned. Mm, I think it's, it's been a blessing in my life to be able to have this mental state. Uh, but I think also there's things that we can do, right? Like, that we can ground ourselves, we can focus on our thoughts, we can journal every day, we can do these types of things. Uh, look, like, <laughs> we can learn good habits, right? Mm -hmm. Every day we brush our teeth because it's a good habit, because it's been taught to us. And we know that if we don't brush our teeth, there's going to be some consequences of like, <laughs> I'm going to be disgusting, <laughs> my mouth is going to feel terrible, yeah. and my teeth are going to fall out. But we don't talk about these things with meditation. We don't talk about these things with uh, prayer or just like quiet time. We don't talk about these things, these good habits that one can have. We don't talk about like uh, on the way here, like I was just driving and uh, I, I was like looking at the clock and I had a little bit of extra time and because I moved out to Vista. My parents moved out to Vista, so okay. I'm living with them over there. And uh, They're your roommates now. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Uh, really cool roommates. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, So I'm driving on the way over, and I'm like, look, like I haven't – I got a little extra time. Like, Let me just get off on Cannon instead of coming all the way up to Poinsettia. Let me get off on Cannon, and let me drive the coast for, for five, ten minutes just to have that experience, just to have that touch with my roots where I grew up of the view that I had every day just to earn that again. Right. And like, that's so, f that's so positive to me. We can make these things in our lives happen. I could have easily just followed my map and been like, all right, this is where I'm going. I'm a robot. And, uh, this is where I'm going to end up. But like, no, I, I actively went out of my way to have a positive experience in my day. And so that's what we got to do. We gotta seek it out. What's next for Jordy? Right now, I'm going to school. I'm doing school. I'm doing business school. I was uh, fortunate enough to earn <coughs> a full ride scholarship from Westcliff University. They're up in Irvine. They gave me a full ride scholarship for surfing. I'm surfing on their surf team, and we're doing the NSSA series, collegiate series. Um, so we had one event already down at Blacks. That was like three weeks after I got home. So I ended up winning that one. I won that Hold first Hold on. Event. You're away for two years. No surf at all. Mm -hmm. Did you put your surfboard in a bathtub or something like that <laughs> just to feel it? Never. Never. No, Did I you go in a pool? I should have. Did you paddle around in a pool? No, no swimming. Nothing? Nothing. No swimming? No swimming. In, on a mission you can't swim? Mm -mm. Is it a rule? Yeah. It's no swimming because of swimsuits. People drowning, I think. Who's drowning? I don't know. Someone. Okay. You ain't drowning. No. In nothing. No. Okay. But you come up two years, you just come back and you just smash it. Mm -hmm. To the best of my ability, yeah. <laughs> we made it work. <laughs> God willing. <laughs> so we had that first event. 
took out that first event, and then we got we got another event this weekend in Santa Cruz. You gonna at win? Steamer Lane. I'm gonna win. Okay. I gotta have to. And if not, we'll learn from it, right? Yeah. But uh, so right now I'm surfing for them, on scholarship with them, learning business, and then uh, I would love to love to go into this space of of mental toughness. I actually. Will you uh, continue to surf uh, professionally? Yes. Okay. To what degree that looks like, I'm not positive. If is it's competing, if it's just doing video parts, I haven't worked that all out yet. I'm working on some stuff right now. With the killer lion that's in you, mm-hmm. is there anyone in the world that when you got in the water that you're not thinking you're winning? Oh, for sure. There's like there's loads of people that I get in the water and I'm super intimidated by. So many of my of my peers I so respect. I get in the water and like I see them on paper and I'm like, this is gnarly. Like, this but is. But once really you get in the water, is it like no? This is Jordy go time. Like I don't care who you are, I'm going. Well, then I'm not even thinking about who I'm in the water with. Then I'm just <laughs> thinking about what my game plan is and who I am and what I can control yes. because I can't control my competitors or what they do. Mm-hmm. If they're getting two nines, okay, deal with it. I'm gonna do the best of my ability to combat and to get two higher nines myself but that's all we can do is control what we can control we can't focus on them top three for you top three uh uh, surfers for you not like hey i want a list of the top three in the world Mm -hmm. but to jordy and jordy's world who are the top three for you that's so hard let's go top five i think just like there's so many guys that i love watching Mm mm-hmm uh, like Josh Kerr, he lives right around here. Uh-huh. I love watching that guy surf because he's having fun all the time. He's real close. Yeah, he's right here. Yeah, I love watching Josh, John John Florence. He's one that's like the best in the world. Uh huh. Like everyone would probably say that one, but it's warranted. Okay, so I'm gonna say John because John. you get to see, you got to see him up close. He's amazing. He's so solid. John John is such a good one. Um, who am I loving right now? Aton Osborne is a firecracker. He's he's one of my peers. We competed on the U.S. team together, uh-huh. uh, and he just qualified for the Vans Pipe Masters, and he did really well in the qualifying series last year. I love watching that kid surf. I'm trying to think who else. Have you got to surf Jaws? No. I, I want to. I think that would be fun. Uh, my buddy Tanner Waite is doing the whole, like, big wave okay. surfing thing yeah, right yeah. now, and I've got all the gear for it. What's the biggest you've done? Um, probably around like 40 foot, 40 foot, 40 foot face, something like that. Holy cow. Where was this at? That was in Hawaii. That was at, uh, not at Jaws though, at a spot called Waimea. I know where Waimea is at. It's on Waimea Bay. Yeah. Uh, we went when Jaws was breaking. Oh really? And we got to see it. I mean, it's so far off the shore. Um, it was just a, I mean, that was a, a heavenly experience. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. I remember one time Josh Kerr texted me and he's like, Hey, you want to go to Jaws? And I'm like, not really. Like, <laughs> what's the difference I'll between go. that surf when you said you just, uh, you know, changed it from, you know, surfing and then big wave surfing? Yeah. What's the difference? What are the what are some of the risks for the people out there that are the layman's and they're not as you know sponsored by Wavestorm like me? Yeah. Um, things like that. Like, help us to understand the difference between regular surfing and big wave. So regular surfing, your focus is to do the most critical maneuver in the most critical part of the wave. And so if a wave's breaking like this, 
I want to be doing an error or something really critical right here, right where it's breaking in super steep. Um, big wave surfing, catch the biggest freaking wave you can find and don't die. That's what you want to do. That's it. That's it. Make it to the channel alive. And that's like, these guys are crazy. The things that they're doing now, because now they're incorporating a little bit of like the small wave aspect of it, of doing maneuvers, of getting huge barrels. They're pulling in on these waves that are, I mean, you could fit a skyscraper in these barrels. You could fit a building in these barrels. And these little guys are pulling in on these massive boards and getting eaten and destroyed and coming up. It's crazy. But it's changed. The game has changed since uh, Shane Dorian, uh, one of the most renowned big wave surfers, he had a huge, crazy big wave hold down where he was under the water for like minutes, like multiple waves. He almost drowned. He invented a wetsuit with Billabong, and now like other companies have adopted this. But they have a wetsuit with a bladder in it, this air bladder. And you put in these CO2 canisters that are like this big. And when you break the seal on that CO2 canister, it fills the bladder with air. And so now your wetsuit gets like this big around <laughs> with air. And you shoot to the surface when you're like 40 feet deep. Wow. And so like I've got one of those. What about the bends? The bends? Does the bends happen? Like, because in, in uh, scuba diving, if you come up too fast, oh, you I get the bends. Yeah. So sometimes guys break their eardrums. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes things like that happens, but. Could you wear a respirator? This is a, this is a, a layman thing. Could you wear a respirator that you would be able to when you went down? I'm thinking Aquaman stuff. <laughs> you like know what I'm that. saying? I like that. Maybe we could do it together. I don't know if it's ever been tried. We might have to try that. We should that. try that. I think the only thing is like, okay, where do you put it? Should I talk to How my people at Wavestorm on? and see? We might have to. And go that there. Be good. But ima- imagine that if you had that little, I'm sure it'll come. That'd be nice. Yeah, I'm going to invent it. And then I'm going to sponsor you. We could you. do gills. We could give you... Gills? Do some gills. Yeah. Human gills. That would be good. On the side of your neck? Yeah, just like a couple slits. Just- <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> so in the big in that in that big wave, when you were surfing 40 foot, you're trying not to die. Yeah. You're basically just going straight. Like, big wave surfers... Like, it's a, it's a different breed be, of person, it's too. It's a different breed of person, and they don't have to be... Some of these guys, they are not the best small wave surfers. They can get up, they can get around, they can do maneuvers, but it's not like they're going to go in a contest and win, if that makes sense. Yeah. These guys just have balls. They just have the mental capacity to look a 100-foot wave in the face and just go. And it's crazy. Do you have that in you? I don't know. I think I, think I do. I think at one point I did, and... At one point, I talked about doing, like, a big wave surfing career, um, and I would love to still explore that. I just haven't had many opportunities to do it. I have all the stuff. Um, you have the bladder thing. Yeah. I've you got don't have wetsuit. my respirator yet. I don't have the respirator yet. Maybe re- once I get I'm, that, it'll I'm change. I'm telling you, the respirator is, is the it's thing. It's a good move. It could be the thing. But I would love to try it out. It would be weird. I like, don't think my mom wants me to, though. The, what, the respirator? She doesn't want to do she the respirator? She doesn't want me to do big waves. Okay. But big waves or the respirator? Big waves. Okay. Should be okay we'll see with about the respirator? Maybe with the respirator, big waves plus respirator equals oh. happy mom. Tammy, holler. You in? That's what I'm saying. So what do you want? Like, this was a crazy thing for me early on in my career. I remember thinking, um, what do I want people to say at my funeral? Mm-hmm. 
And it was probably, I think I came into this thought process probably, and this sounds morbid, but probably about 15 years old. And, you know, 14, 15 years old, I remember thinking, like, if I died, what do I want people to say? And then I started living according to that part. Now, I haven't been perfect in it. No one has. Um, some of the things people would say now, probably I wouldn't be happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, w- what do you want them to say at your funeral? I think I'd be happy if, if <clears throat> at my funeral they just just simply said that I loved God, that I loved others, and that I lived accordingly, that I did, that I was a fan of everyone, that I loved everyone, accepted everyone, and that I loved life. And I just would love to be just remembered by that. What's the hardest part about being Jordy right now? Uh, I think just narrowing in on this direction that I'm going on figuring out exactly what is my path. Uh-huh. I think that's the hardest thing of like anyone's life of like, okay, am I doing exactly what I ought to be doing? It's hard, but I think I'm just collecting, collecting dots. Here's a secret. All points. the people who come in contact with you, all the people who are listening, everyone who's ever come in contact with you knows that, that, that you're exactly on the right path. Like, honestly, like what you walking in, you sitting down, the things that you're talking about, the integrity that you have, how you speak about your relationship with the Lord, how you, I mean, and I love it, man. Like that, that killer, that killer. I like that, that, I mean, do you see, you see it, you feel it. Like when you start to speak about it, you feel it. Go back and watch this and you'll see it (laughs) change. Like it's just like a little shift in it, you know, which I, I think is, is an unbelievable, unbelievable trait and is very admirable. Um, and I started the podcast cause of my kids, you've, you've met Maddox and McKenna yeah. and they've been, I mean, hell Maddox was, I think one years old when, when we first moved here, but I started the podcast because of them. And, um, I wanted to take iconic figures like yourself. And for me, probably one of the most prolific athletes in the world right now is you. And you can come, and that it's shown by, you could come two years out of doing your sport and crash. Like, two weeks out. <laughs> two years, two weeks out, bang, I'm going. Very few people in the world, that could, in the universe, that could do that. But I wanted to take them, and I wanted to take uh, people like you and icons in the world, and I wanted to show my kids that there wasn't any idols. I didn't want them worshiping anybody. Only worshiping one. Yeah. And... Um, I wanted to show them that it wasn't that you were a superhero, that you were just a human being with a phenomenal attitude and crazy work ethic, right? So what advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both their names, it would be awesome. Yeah, I think if I were Maddox and McKenna right now, the advice that I would want to hear is just to be excited, to eat it up, because life is going to give you so many opportunities. And the only reason that fail the only reason the only way you can fail is to not take any of those opportunities the scariest thing I think one can do the scariest thing is to show up at heaven's gates and be like oh you like underperformed (laughs) you like didn't become who you could have been and so if Maddox and McKenna could just think about right now who they want to become and then live their life in a way that aligns with that, of becoming that person, 
they will be so successful. It is success to become something better than we could ever be on our own. And the only way to do that is with, with Jesus. He's the only way we can become better than we could be on our own. And so he makes up the difference. Just let him do it. Jordy, uh, honestly, it's I, I'm so fortunate because uh, people have asked me, like, in my life, I, I, uh, they asked me, like, what is, what's some secrets? And I said, there's no secret. It's just being really kind. Contribute to everybody. Make a ton of friends because then you don't have to be good at things. Um, and really stay curious about what they do. And when you do that, those three things, I find that magic happens because I don't have to be the best surfer in the world because I got a friend who is, right? And you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to have that killer instinct like you do because uh, you have it. And if, you know, I, I, get to, I get to glean from that part, which I think is, is unbelievable, man. And I want to I thank you for, for being here. Um, now's the time where all of you know that I'm going to thank every one of you because, because of you guys watching, listening. Now, the only reason why you watch today is because you saw his picture. <laughs> how handsome he was. He was looking good. He's coming out the water. Why'd you have a shirt on in that picture? You had a surfboard and a shirt. I was I like wondering to, about that. I do that instead of a rash guard. You just wear a regular shirt? Just a shirt, yeah. Just a regular shirt. Yeah, it looks way cooler. I, I want to sponsor that shirt, man. There we go. I, and, and maybe I'll put a respirator in it. There we go. Um, but his he, only reason why you guys are watching is because he's that good looking. And then you you scratch the surface, and you're like, wow, he's even better looking. Like, you're, I couldn't, I was mad because I saw your bio picture, and I was thinking, this dude is the man. <laughs> and that picture pales in comparison to the man that sits in front of me. So every one of you out there, you know, it's, it's because of you. Like we've done no, uh, when I say no paid advertisements, we've done no paid marketing. Um, we've done no paid marketing. And all of you, because your listens and your shares, you'll put us in the top 1% globally of all podcasts. And also you put us in the top 5% most shared podcasts on Spotify with no <laughs> paid marketing. It's because you share it, because you talk about it, because you send it to a friend. There are so many young people out there that need to hear you. And what I would invite every one of you to do is click the links, check out the sponsors, um, you know, every one of them. Do the things that you know you need to do, but also to share it. Share it with some people. Share it with some, I mean, he's probably going to be a husband at some point soon because he came off a mission. Generally, it's only five minutes till you get married anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> but with young husbands, with young men, with athletes, with, I mean, it's, it, share it with parents. Uh, Jordy, it's, it's incredible, man, to be able to spend some time with you. And, um, and I, I, honestly, I want to thank you for your time. Um, the thing, I, I would like to ask you back onto the podcast too because I, I want to have you here because I want to continue to follow this Jordy path. And to be able to see it, but not only that, but honestly, like every, do you realize that every sentence you say is wisdom? Like, that's it. Listen back to it. <laughs> Listen to back it. to it. It's amazing because it just it it <clears throat> oozes from you. And I, I want to compliment you on that, man. I mean, your parents they should be super proud. Um, I haven't done this before, but uh, I want you to look into the uh, camera because I know um, I know you're there's a little little lady in your life that that means a ton and it's your little sister. Um, what advice would you give to your sister after all your uh, journey and, and, um, and maybe tell her some things that she doesn't hear enough from her big brother, Jordy? I do. I love Jill. She's the best. I think if I had one thing to say to Jill, it's just that she is, that you are, Jill, the coolest person ever, that you have so many gifts and talents and abilities that God has blessed you with. 
And that if you just use them, you'll be just fine. There's nothing to worry about. That you're going to be super successful because she is. She's a beast. She's getting it done. And she's going to continue to do that as she just takes opportunities. And so I think that's what I would say to her. I want to thank you to the Collins family because you guys did a, uh, I mean, a, a bang up job raising the son. It is, it is so cool to be able to see it, man. And I want to, I want to encourage you because when you were saying like, you know, that, that unraveling of the stuff, like for us from the outside, seeing it, it's already unraveled, man. Like it, it's already done. I mean, anything that you touch because you're willing to do the work and because of that focus, I just think is amazing. All the people and the friends and the people in your life. And I'm not saying that you're perfect because no one needs to f- uh, carry that burden. Um, but you bring so much light into this world, man. And I want to thank you so much for that. And on top of this, if anybody wants to invest in the respirator, um, we're, we're going to let people in early on. You could become an early investor and, uh, probably change the game in big wave surfing forever with the respirator. True. Thanks so much, Kelly. I appreciate you. I really appreciate it. It was great to be here. And, uh, yeah, I'm just super grateful for, for all of you as well. I'm grateful for uh, this community that we've grown up in. It's been pretty, pretty big blessing in my life to have like these people that are just really driven. And I think as we continue to surround ourselves with these driven people, we'll, we'll be pretty su- successful. And uh, yeah, I was just super grateful. You're the man, man. Well, you're officially off the hot seat.